0: This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg was out there waiting to get in, she wouldn't qualify. Not because she's not the most qualified, but because she's white and Jewish. And that's not what they're looking for. No, they're only looking for a black woman. Why do you need to say that? Wouldn't it be more intelligent and assuring to the American public We're going to find the best qualified human being for this job in the country. And boom, he came out with a woman who was also black and, by the way, a liberal. What political posturing makes sense at this juncture when there's nothing but confusion in America with who we are, who you are, and you're calling me a racist, telling me this is a racist country? Is that what this is all about? And then on top of that, you say, the most qualified person that you're going to find has to be a black woman. That's racist. That is nothing but racist. He wears black. Trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio. His name is New York Mike and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. It's Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. <laughs> if you guys have missed Roll Right Radio for the week, I, I got to tell you it's because I've been sick all week. I've had a sore throat. I woke up, I guess it was last Saturday, almost a week ago, and my voice was raspy and my throat, you know, you get that tickle thing. And it, So, yeah, you know, I'm getting ready for the week coming up. I'm feeling fine. I'm working out every day. My little workout, which is dwindling. I got to pick it back up. But reading Richie Aida's book got me all inspired and I doubled down. I'm doing the Peloton every day and doing everything else and I'm stretching and then slowly. But surely it it dwindles back. I got to pick it back up. So getting ready for the week and making my plans. I'm trying to figure out how to get back to Panama City and preparing for a podcast. And, And there's so much going on. For a podcast, I don't know what to talk about first. Monday or Tuesday, my throat felt a little better. Now, I never, not once, did I ever feel like I had anything more serious Not even a cold. Certainly not a flu and definitely not this COVID thing. But I got to tell you, I'm sounding good right now to compare to what I sounded. And the first thing, Petrina does go out and get the COVID test, which makes a lot of sense. You definitely want to be responsible. You definitely want to say, okay, okay, yeah, you know me. I'm, I'm... I'm gonna deny everything. So I walked around with cancer for months when the doctor's trying to reach me and tell me I gotta go see an oncologist. And I go, wow, you never said So I I wasn't in denial. I felt good. So anyway, that was the right thing to do. She brings it home. Let's be sure about this. And I'm going, okay. I didn't think I had it. I took the test and it confirmed what I thought. I'm good with that. And it's interesting. Because I got to tell you, I know what I say and I know how I'm out there. And that's how I truly feel. But just inside baseball, if you want to call it that, in my head, I'm thinking everything that happens, just a little bit, I don't know what the word is, not different because they happen all the time. Like when I get hungry, it hurts. I don't feel hungry the way I used to before the chemotherapy. It's all different since then. The appetite isn't the same. Nothing's the same. And the biggest difference is I don't get to a point where I go, oh, I'm so hungry. No. It gets painful, and I get these dry heaves, and it's not always dry heaves. So I know that I have to eat. I don't want to get to the point where I'm feeling hungry, because feeling hungry isn't like I'm hungry. It's like, oh, my God, I'm... (laughs) This is really bad. I don't want to get that. And it comes up a couple of times a week. So, anyway, it came up. And what's my first thought? Because, hey, look, I've got the throat and it sounds terrible. And I'm up at night and I'm, I'm also coughing a little bit. So, as, as soon as I get a oh, oh, maybe this is COVID. You can't escape it. COVID is the elephant in the room. And there's no other way of getting around it now are are we allowing it to dominate yeah we are and there are people who are promoting that dominance promoting vaccine passports and mask mandates mandates here mandates there mandates everywhere no how about these the kids that have to be masked in schools and now i'm hearing about school districts that are sending kids home and it's all going to be like on Zoom, virtual learning, and so this is killing the kids. Now, if we haven't learned anything in the last two years, we must have learned the lesson from COVID that as a society, we have to stand up to things like this. And yeah, part of us have learned the lesson. Look what's going on in Virginia. Look at the fights. By the way, the Canadian truckers who are heading from Vancouver, to Ottawa is the capital of Canada, and they got a truck convoy going on now for the last week that's about 50 miles long. I understand they've raised $3 million, maybe more than that, for gas and food. I guess what they plan on doing is tie up the capital. And it's all about the mask mandate or the vaccine mandate to be able to drive a truck. And they're saying, hey, enough's enough. So we are getting fed up. We see people getting fed up. I mean, I'm in California. So maybe this is an extreme left-wing, lefty dream over here. You go into a store and people still yell at you for not wearing a mask. And they look at you like you got the plague or something. And we know it's been on the news, the CDC and all these other, you know, big agencies have said the mask is useless. It's useless. Now, yeah, people come in oh, you got to have an ND95 and a special mask. It's all this. And again, i drive down the road and I'll look over and there's always somebody driving a car by themselves wearing their mask. I, I mean, you see that there are so many people caught up with this. God forbid I go into a Starbucks. If I really want a Starbucks, if I don't have a mask, once in one out of every two or three, so I got, I walk into one and they give me this whole mask thing and I walk out or else I decide, okay, look, I really want that cup of coffee, man. So I put the mask on walk in so there's no issue. Because once there's an issue, I'm walking out. That's just who I am. And I say, well, okay. But it's a consideration. It's part of everything that we think about and every consideration that we have You've got to take into consideration this whole COVID thing and the disinformation, the fact that they never really had an investigation about where it came from. And a lot has to do with Fuji. And this is all coming out now in, in books. And there's so much that comes out. It may take a while, but it's hard to hide the truth. I honestly believe that the truth will out today like never. Before, so yeah, I know there's a lot of things that are annoying at at best about the social media, the people distancing before COVID. Since COVID, it's gotten so much worse. But there's also a lot about it that is good. So separating the wheat from the chaff and trying to figure out okay what's working here in this social media thing, and there's a, a lot more I think that is going to reveal itself as we all get more adept at being involved in social media and i like to meet with people i like face to face eyeball to eyeball sitting down talking to me that's still the essence of making a deal or whatever you're going to do but i also am getting more comfortable even on the phone look starting business way back. Boy, it doesn't seem way back, but it's way back. A lot of what I did was on the phone. I'm going to use the phone call to set up meetings. I don't want to do the deal on the phone. I'm not going to sit here on the telephone and go through everything and, and make my deal. I, I don't. Now, I have a friend, my friend Rich. He's a phone guy. He's on the phone all whole day long. He seems to be doing everything. He's a lot younger than me. But he's so much more comfortable on the phone. And not that I'm not comfortable on the phone, but I don't feel like that's my weapon of choice, (laughs) to probably use a bad term, but I want to sit down with whoever I'm dealing with and be there in person. But I will say that since social media has been so dominant with everything, and I have gotten used to it, I mean, look, I've got a podcast, for crying out loud, but it's also Helped me accept that you know I'm going to have self-willed relationships, and it's fine. It's a whole new world for me, honest to God. So I don't want to go off on tangents and in different directions, but I do feel like we are going to drain through this whole batch of stuff that has just come into civilized lives in the last, what, 10 years or so? And we're gonna find the best of it. And we're gonna promote that, we're gonna use that, we're gonna embrace that, and we're gonna put some of the stuff that doesn't work behind us. What doesn't work? Well, I gotta tell you, I don't like these Zoom calls to be as dominant as they are. I find that to be somewhat disturbing. There was a point before COVID that the Zoom call kind of seemed like it took over. Maybe it was the COVID, I mean, it's been a few years. This COVID thing's been a few years. Let's recognize that the Zoom call's not going to replace a live meeting between principals to make the deal. That's number one. I certainly think we're learning that kids can't remote learn. It's not healthy, it's not good. It excludes too many things that are part of the learning process that maybe we took for granted, and the interaction between kids, looking at facial expressions, learning how to communicate facial expressions, things that were never talked about, and now they are because it's been missing. So I see all that, and here I am, you know, like halfway through a podcast, and I haven't even gotten started on the things I want to talk about, Because I'm explaining about what it's felt like to be sitting around all week. And I wanted to say this. Yes, I did the podcast. It was Tuesday. Did the whole thing. I have all these notes and pages of things going on. And with everything, I think I did it after Biden's press conference. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. I'm taking notes and I'm writing things down. And then I did the podcast based on having done all that. And I put it out send it to the production people to do the editing What they and they text me mike you may want to consider not sending this out it's good i appreciate your energy but you sound terrible <laughs> I go, oh my god and so we didn't do it and then i i decided thinking that discretion being the better part of valor maybe i should just wait and as you know you wait Things pile up and everything going on, and there's so much more to talk about. But some of the things that I wanted to talk about I think are pretty important, and I still want to talk about them. But you wait the week, and I came here this morning. I say, okay, I've got to get this done before the weekend. It'll be a few more minutes before we get to the meet. My daughter flew in for a few days, and she went back this morning. I got up at 4 a.m. Yeah, I know. I took her to the airport, got home, and I'm, I'm listening. Now it's, what, 5, 5.30 in the morning. Drop her off. She had a 7 a.m. flight back to South Carolina. And we spent a little time. She has a lot to do. She works, man. She's got this job. And it's like, yeah, the world is a different place. She has a job that, what, 10, 15 years ago, she had an office. and she, Nope. She takes her office with her. Every place she goes, it's called the laptop. And because she lives in South Carolina, so she gets up and she has to be at work on the computer at 5 in the morning when she's here. So she has a lot to do. You don't get a lot of chance to see her. It's not like when she's here, okay, hey, let's just hang out. So it was precious time. It was great to see her. And as I'm driving, I'm listening to the funeral of one of those two New York City cops who were killed, Jason Rivera. And we've heard about it all week. And now here I am listening to what's going on. And I know that the podcast I did and all the notes I take talking, we're talking about this defund the police movement, what's going on after Biden's press conference. And and one of the things about the press conference was afterward they listened Dude, it's kind of hard, I mean to listen this is it's so pathetic, and it's nothing less than pathetic and I don't care like I say, I always try to talk nicely to my Democrat friends. I'm sorry, this man is nothing less than pathetic, actually nothing more than pathetic. He's pathetic at the very least. I can probably go on with a lot more adjectives and that describe it's, just, it's terrible, it's despicable that this man is the president of the United States. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And here's this press conference. And here's the compliant, if that's the right word, media complicit with his ineptness for over an hour. And not one question about crime, not one question about the border. And forget about the fact that, you know, he wants to call Peter Ducey a stump son of a bitch. I mean, that's fine. Ducey represents the adversarial world, but it's so bad. But the the crime thing, and I wanted to talk about that. Well, I did talk about that. We just never put it out. And I was talking about all the confusion in this country. There's so much confusion. Yeah, we have Democrats and Republicans. We have right-wing and left-wing. We have a bunch of communists coming in, trying to say that our system is all wrong. I, I find it hard to believe, even to talk about it, but what it is, is it's so confusing. Nobody has any answers, there's no leadership that says, here, I'm the way, follow me. No, you get a Joe Biden. And when you do get a leader like Trump, the other side just won't accept it, tears him down. Now, I was talking to somebody I know very well for a very long time, who I know is a left-wing Democrat, whatever, But because she's so close, I don't like to get into conversations because I know what they're going to lead to. And I'm not going to change their minds. There's a few people I know like that. They're called family. And so not wanting to get into a a real confrontation and let them even have an idea of what my thoughts are because they ain't pretty. I'm not going to change that mind. I'm not going to change it. Locked in. And I don't even want to tell you what I think about that. But, you know, it comes up. Okay, what about Trump? Just make me understand. Peace in the Middle East. We didn't have any war. Korea, North Korea, in the last month, has shot off six, six missiles. Are you kidding me? Not one while Trump was president. Forget about what's going on in the Ukraine with Russia. What's going on with Taiwan? Does that matter? Nope. You know what matters? The Supreme Court. Huh? I mean, I, it's important. I mean, one of the most important things the president does is when they get to appoint Supreme Court justices. I get that. But that's it. Nothing else matters to you. We're on the brink of war. We're during Trump. Now, I listen to everything Trump said. Uh, She didn't like the fact that he denigrated the military. Now, I'm very sensitive about that. I never heard him denigrate the military. Oh, he said this about the military. Okay. I know he told that bad joke about John McCain. Now, that is a joke for a guy like me. We're we're with guys who were shot up. I got two friends of mine. Well, one's passed away. But we call them both magnet ass because one of them got shot about three or four times in Vietnam. And we call him Magnet Ass. And then my other friend, Fred Platt, got shot down. I mean, his plane got shot down 11 times. Now, the truth of the matter is it's 18 times. But there's things that can't be talked about. So in the book, The Ravens, if you want to read a great book, and, and so we call him Magnet Ass. And when we joke around, we go, hey, Fred, you know what? (laughs) <laughs> the, the heroes are the guys that don't get shot down. The heroes are the guys. And so we say that, but we feel we can't say it. We mean it as a joke. And I guess there's people that hang out in the air. I guess Trump was one of them and said it. And it was wrong. It was wrong because he was the wrong messenger. And it was more of a joke. And he said it in the way that wasn't taken. Anyway, it was all wrong. But it wasn't the end of the world. And there's a lot of us that had a love-hate relationship with John McCain. Yeah, he's a hero, and he did this. There's a lot of things about John McCain that a lot of us didn't like at all. But that's us. And here it is, like, oh, he said this about the military. And I'm going, there are people that say things, but what about what they do? Why would you not look back after a year and acknowledge... Yeah, there was certain things. No. Nope. You know why? Because he had three appointments to the Supreme Court, all three of which would, in their minds, tear down Roe v. Wade. That's what it comes down to. That's exactly what it comes down to. Nothing more and nothing less. And so you say, well, we're in this inflationary situation. It's crazy. That would have happened anyway. Oh, really? And what about, oh, well, that was going to happen anyway. It's like you just can't talk to some, at some point, you got to just say that the Democrat Party has taken a wrecking ball to America and they don't care because they want it their way. It's their way or the highway. You don't like it? You don't like the fact that we have Roe v. Wade? We don't care if all you're concerned about is states' rights. And that's all I am concerned about. Roe v. Wade, before abortions were legal on a national level, when I was growing up, we had just as many or more abortions than we have today. I'm just telling you. It was just all over the place. So I don't think making abortion illegal is going to change it. I just don't. I think that there are other things that would, you know, parental notification. There's a lot of things that are going on that wouldn't. I think that being focused on making abortion illegal has really distracted us from doing all these other things because every time we try to make a move, the other side is like, whoa, you're going to make abortion illegal. No, we just want to make sure that parents are notified. We just want to make sure that there are other things. that Nope. And so it's been that kind of a war. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of us feel like, don't nationalize this. Each state has the right to make its own laws with regard to abortion. And we're seeing that happen. Texas, Mississippi, it's starting to bubble up in the right way. But they don't want to hear about that. Because I'll say all day long, I'm not. I'm not. For making abortion a little, yeah, I'm ready to say, you can have exemptions, you can do this, you can do that. I want to be reasonable, I want to talk, but state by state. Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional. That's the end of the world. And I don't think there's anything else that matters to these people. The wrecking ball has been one issue, abortion. And it's big enough and horrible enough to totally wreck the country, to abort wherever we're going. You know, we've been around 250 years. To do another 250, maybe that's the issue that is going to end it because that's how people feel. And, you know, they'll come up and say it, just like my conversation over the weekend. Yeah, I don't care about nothing else. It's really the Supreme Court. And how ironic that a couple of days later, Justice Breyer says he's going to resign. Why? Because he's one of the three liberal votes. He's 83 years old, and the liberals have been hounding him to get out. Now, why? Because right now, they dominate the House and they said, eh, to dominate, is that the right word? They got about, what, four or five-vote lead in the House and a 50-50 situation with a Kamala Harris vice president tiebreaker. It's not quite dominating. But they know that the probability is that they're going to lose all that next November. So they don't want Breyer holding on and then getting dumped after the next election when they can't get their next liberal judge through. So they got things going on in Washington, D.C. They got billboards. They got everything. Retire Breyer. You know, this is... And they've been... And then big money. They say dark money. I guess it's got to be dark money, because who would want to be seen you know, being that way? They couldn't do it to RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but she was... I guess he was a little tougher than Briar, and they've convinced him to leave. So I thought that was kind of ironic, but it's not going to change the what you call makeup, you know? It's going to be a, a 6-3 conservative to liberal mix on the Supreme Court, no matter what. So here we are, and we have the same thing, but I know that there was that reason and there's that thinking And their world would come to an end because with this conservative Supreme Court, they won't be able to take away our guns. They won't be able to end or dilute the Second Amendment. And they may do away with Roe v. Wade. That doesn't mean they're doing away with abortion. You know, New York, California, Illinois, plenty of places in this country that are going to keep abortion legal. And now it's the time for the other side to do their best to negotiate to, state by state to get the best terms and conditions that they can. What's wrong with that? So I think that there's a lot of confusion. First, there's the confusion with the COVID thing. Then there's confusion with the crime thing, which I'll get into a little bit. But this other confusion about what's the priority And what's not? What's important in our lives? Making sure that we have a country that's free? Define freedom. Let's have a better understanding of free speech. Why is the cancel culture and censoring, why does that threaten free speech? And what can we do to make sure that it doesn't? Not the censorship, cancel culture, Those are things that are are really important to talk about. What else is it that the Supreme Court, these negotiations, every amendment to the Constitution, obviously the Constitution itself, but these are things that we need to be talking about. But then we're so confused on this crime issue. There are many of us who grew up in the projects and in, in tough neighborhoods, And and under rough conditions, that the cops were the hallway monitors of our lives, basically. The hallway monitors themselves, they were nothing but a pain in the ass. But the cops, if you lived in the projects, man, and then, of course, if you're looking to actually break the law a little bit, we're not talking about 14, 15-year-old kids robbing banks. Well, here we are. <laughs> Robin Lincoln stores, Robin Banks, Robin Gross. Yeah, I mean, so there was always that. And I've said this before the seasoned criminals, the older guys, they always taught us. And right, we didn't sit in a classroom, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we'd come back there and you get smacked around by the office of Fox. And I'm talking about that's a real situation. He was. A real person that really smacked us around a lot i remember my friend denny higgins a little older than me but fox just beat him around the head and and he had some real brain injury. i mean this is what but then there was a reaction to that but for the most part god you know they just smacked me in with that Billy stick on it. You know, it's like, hey, kid, you got nobody to blame but yourself. Once you get a better pair of sneakers, you can run faster. ha <laughs> ha But that wasn't the lesson. The lesson was don't blame them. You got caught doing something either you shouldn't have been doing, and if you were going to be serious about it, you should have planned better. And it was always the case that when they shot Mikey DePaulo, it was 1958, and Mikey was 17 years old coming back from midnight mass. Stopped for a light up a cigarette in the vestibule of Boak Supermarket around the corner from his house. And they shot him five times. He died weeks later in the hospital. I mean, this, you, you can't write off everything that happened and say, well, it's our fault. At some point, it's not. But neither can you deny that we need those cops out there that they serve a purpose. Yeah, we can get angry and we can focus on something that they did wrong. I mean, were they going after the 17-year-old Mikey DePalo? He was a badass. Mikey was definitely the leader of the pack. But I don't think that cops are going to say, we got to get this kid off. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's follow him after he gets out of church or midnight mass. He'll be out there at like 1 in the morning. And we can follow him and see what he's doing. And all right, well, all right. But if he doesn't, I'm going to shoot. Are, are you kidding? I don't think so. It was a horrible thing. It was traumatic for me, and and I think for the rest of us. God knows what his family went through all these years since then. But there's so many other things. But now we come to a point where they say every time a certain person is shot a black person is shot it's racism by the cops it was a setup it was wrong it's a crime that they shot him never mind what he or her were doing you know I still hear the words about Breonna Taylor for crying out loud she was sleeping with a boyfriend when the cops knocked on the door the boyfriend's a drug dealer who shoots the cop shoots at the cop who's banging on his door. And then the other cop comes around to shoot him, doesn't know she's in there, hits her with a stray bullet. You want to say it was wrong, that he was irresponsible? That's fine. But don't say it was racist. Don't say it was because she was black. Don't say it because she was totally innocent. She may have been innocent at the time, but she's with her boyfriend who's a drug dealer. got the warrant out. They're coming for him. And they still throw that name out there. Today, what, two years later, they're still saying, yeah, the cops are racist, and this is what, and they'll name, you know, five names, six names. I guarantee you, there's a Mikey Palo in there someplace, where someone who is 100% innocent of doing anything wrong, and those things happen, they don't have the same level of passion about the black kids who were getting killed in every city in this country, every month, more and more. Now, I'm coming back, and I I think where I started this was listening to the funeral of Jason Rivera, Officer Rivera, 22-year-old cop. They said he was from the Dominican Republic, and he came to America, and he was this really authentic lover of this country and the freedom. And he was such a positive force in his high school, the graduation. And he went out there and spoke to people and became a cop because he wanted to make this a better world for all the right reasons. And I'm listening to this funeral. And I'm saying, there's so much that needs to be fixed in America. This confusion, this identity crisis that we have. As Americans, the Democrats are of one mind, the Republicans are another mind. There's a left wing and the right wing, and then there's conservatives and liberals in between, progressives, they call themselves, and there's libertarians. And everybody's got a confused agenda because right now we have confused leadership. We had fantastic leadership during Trump's, four-year presidency but you'd never know it listening to the media listening to Hollywood listening to people like my conversation over the weekend he was horrible I said what did he do wrong he said things that were horrible his text messages his I heard them in my own ears okay well, I'll argue it because I heard everything that that man said everything and except for for what I already mentioned, I didn't hear anything that I'd have to say, yeah, you're right. It was so bad that it, it overtook everything he did, every one of his policies. The world peace in, in Israel, and in the Middle East, and all the economic benefits that we had. Operation Warp Speed, where he got this amazing vaccine against COVID. His leadership, the respect that the world had for us. Yeah. Nobody likes being dominated and being beaten down. And he had a way of doing it, of putting America first that other people didn't like. I get it. But they all respected him. And it wasn't that they feared. It was that they respected. And yeah, there's an element of fear. But it was respect that this man, this country was being led by a lion. And... You wouldn't know it. The confusion was everything the media said. Two impeachments? Are you kidding me? And at the same time, we see the first two years of the Mueller report finds nothing, nothing, all that. And, and you're looking at this, why are they doing this? Why are they tearing this man apart? I get them some confrontation and arguing, and, and then you get this nasty Pelosi Nasty Pelosi stands behind, the Speaker of the House stands behind the president. This represents all these things in this country. The glass sailing of women. She's a big factor in American politics. Not just a Democrat. But, you know, she's been arguably one of the most effective speakers that has ever been Speaker of the House. And she stands behind the President of the United States and rips up in front of the world his speech, his State of the Union address, which he has a copy of. Forget about the eye-rolling and this. You're confusing everybody. We need to have more decorum. We need to have more respect for the office than what we have. And what they do, they put a man in there and run him for president by keeping him in the basement. And when they let him out, and I'm thinking, I've seen Joe Biden in action for like, what, 35, 40 years. He was a horrible vice president. I didn't know if he was good, bad, or indifferent as a senator. I didn't agree with him. I didn't like him. I mean, they, were, they when he ran for president, they threw him off because he cheated on the test. <laughs> he got thrown out of the, it was just wrong. Joe Biden was not somebody that I would have thought that the Democrats would have put up for president. And, of course, neither was Kamala Harris, but Joe Biden certainly not. And then somehow, staying in his basement, he amasses 81 million votes? No! And I've got the right to say that. I've got this right to say this election was stolen when I believe it. And it was wrong. And I think the whole country looked at that. Certainly all 75 million of us who voted for Trump had a look at that and shake our heads and say, what? But, you know, we've gone through it. We're called liars. Then we get there on January 6th, the protest, and a few yahoos and jerk-offs break through for whatever reason. Antifa enticed them. The FBI enticed them. Whatever they did, they broke in, breached the Capitol, and destroyed things. That's wrong. Is it a quote-unquote incursion? You know, here's Joe Biden. He's given the Russians a pass in his press conference. Look, they can invade, and if it's just an incursion, okay, we'll deal. Well, they treat January 6th, I call it J6, as this revolution or whatever. It's okay if Russia, it just, just goes a, a little bit into the Ukraine. It's just a little incursion. But, oh, maybe a thousand patriots, wrong-headed, and dead wrong in what they did, break into the U.S. Capitol. And by the way, there's a lot more to come out about that. I've been reading about Ashley Babbitt, and it seems like she was trying to get people to go back. She even punched one of the guys who were breaking in, punched them. She was a cop. She was a a policeman in the Air Force for like fourteen years, and she was just doing the job. And now they got videos of her just before she was shot, punching out one of them, trying to tell them, "Go back, stop this." So I don't think they have that commission to prove that she was trying to be righteous and not be wrong. It's the opposite, but it's going to come out. All these things. This book, Red Handed, and so many other things. What Biden has done, the crime family that the Biden family is, taking $31 million from China, from the Chinese Communist Party, all the other things that are coming out in this book. Yeah, there's things about Bush, too. It's not an anti democrats an anti-scumbag. That's what it is, and I want to see him. Look, I've had a lot of affection for George W. Bush. I thought he was great. Did he make mistakes, you know? I don't know. You want to get into the whole Iraq thing? I think a lot of things went wrong, but I'm not sure that I'm going to jump on that same bandwagon and say what Donald Trump said. And Many, many, many other of my friends and knowledgeable people, military minds, it was a mistake. I think what the mistake was not listening to General Shinseki, who said we should have 300,000 troops because... Controlling Iraq after we invade it and get rid of Saddam Hussein is going to be a much bigger job. I think he was right. There was a mistake made. But if this is right about the Bush family, I mean, I'm just as upset about that as I am about the Biden family. And it's wrong. But these things are going to come out and people are going to see that these things are wrong. And now we need to get together as a country and recognize that this whole anti-police, this whole thing, it's it's been a scheme of the left, just like everything going on in the border, letting millions through coming into this country. I mean, there are what, quote, NGOs, non-governmental organizations that are helping them, giving them money and food, They come across the border. They're put on a bus, taken to some place where they're then taken to a plane and flown to different cities around the country. We're talking about thousands and thousands. This isn't legal. This isn't something that should happen. This is wrong. How is this being allowed? Who is perpetrating this? Is this the Biden administration? How is it happening? And how is the Department of Justice allowing? the leadership of this country, to get away with this. So now that the Democrats have pushed this boy justice out, he's a liberal. And so is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, highly respected. They try to push her out. She put down her high heels and said, hell no. (laughs) And so they got to Breyer, and okay, he's gone. And so now they're going to go out, and find the best qualified person who follows their beliefs and nominate them. Wait a minute, no, that's not what they're gonna do. Even if it was not what they were gonna do, why would they say anything else? Why wouldn't Biden come out and say, we're gonna find the best qualified person for this job? Of course, we believe the best qualified person is a person who believes in the Democrat Party's mission statement, principles, whatever. We think that progressive thinking is the most intelligent thinking. Okay, I get all that. But that's not what they're doing. They're not going out to find the best, most qualified person. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg was out there waiting to get in, she wouldn't qualify. Not because she's not the most qualified, but because she's white and Jewish, and that's not what they're looking for. No. No. They're only looking for a black woman. They come out and say, why? Why do you need to say that? Wouldn't it be more intelligent and assuring to the American public? I mean, if they never said they're looking for a black woman, and they said, we're going to find the best qualified human being for this job in the country. And boom, he came out with a woman. was also black and by the way a liberal (laughs) can't have no Clarence Thomas in drag coming up there because that don't count Clarence Thomas is black but he's conservative doesn't fit their agenda I, I get it but they said they're out there searching for the most qualified person and it turns out to be a black woman okay if you say she's the most qualified person, I believe you. If you say you went out there and you know did all the things that you needed to do to find, quote unquote, "the most qualified person, fine. Why do you need to throw it in our face? What political posturing makes sense at this juncture, when there's nothing but confusion in America with who we are, who you are, And you're going to say? On top of calling me a racist, telling me this is a racist country, is that what this is all about? And then on top of that, you say, the most qualified person that you're going to find has to be a black woman. That's racist. That is nothing but racist. Why not let the liberal Judge Breyer have a moment to be appreciated after he's basically, he's been shooed out by the liberal, okay? And in the furthest thing from an RBG moment, even having those billboards pushing them out, it's so gauche. Of course there won't be a Brian model. It's like when RBG goes out, they want to replace RBG with an RBG model. I get that. You you honor her great service to the country. Whether or not I agree with her on her rulings, doesn't matter. You, You look up to her. She was quite the American. And all that she stood for, whether I agree with her or not. But I don't think you can have an RBG moment for Breyer. That's for sure. I mean, maybe he deserves it. Maybe he didn't deserve it. I don't know. I don't know a lot about Judge Breyer. But I do know he's being pushed out. And now they're saying, we're not going to find another Breyer. We're going to find a black female. That's what we do for that seat. Because, you know, it's kind of like follows that seat. So that's what they're going to do. Racism is prominently on display once again in America. Searching for the best qualified person and, you know, choose who you want. It's your prerogative. If it happens to be a black female, I get it. Not this way. Why do you need to do it this way? Nope. They've even, and by the way, Isn't it interesting as the world is so focused on Russia invading Ukraine and Biden is so just inept, just looks so weak. And Biden makes that statement in that press conference. Well, if it's an incursion, it'll be okay. Everything, I mean, everything is falling apart to Joe Biden. And what happens? Boom. Briar is about to retire. And everything is focused on that. Well, not quite everything. Because we see what's going on with crime in America. People are getting fed up. We don't want to see these cops. Some of them are so young, idealistic. They're there for all the right reasons. This Jason Rivera kid, his wife got up and spoke and if you didn't see it, you gotta find it and watch it. And I I mean, you will not have a dry eye, trust me. But you'll also feel good about the country and the world knowing there are people like Jason Rivera and like his wife, who just, just made me cry. But it also made you think of, you know what? We've got some great people in this country. We've got some people who are strong. we got some people that, yeah, they shouldn't have left us this early, It's sad, it's a shame, but let's celebrate their lives and and let's feel like we got this because we love this country and we're going to make sure that what they died for is what we live for. I'm New York Mike. This is Roll Right Radio. It's been a tough week. Let's hope next week gets better. Roll Right Radio, out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.